Welcome everyone to the Indie Breads Podcast. I am your host, Joe Dilling. With me tonight are Brian Smith and Bobak Lotfalian. Gentlemen, welcome to the pod. Good evening. Thanks for having me, Joe. Bobak, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. Good, good. A little, uh, I just getting back from a, a four-day weekend off from work, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a little mentally exhausted from that, you know, eight hours of fun i got to put in today but <laughs> email inbox packed with like is. a thousand emails yeah email, email yeah. inbox is always fun after that <laughs> yes exactly all right so tonight we're gonna discuss the simicus and how he arrives to liverpool um a little bit about tiago and Ginny and their correlation uh liverpool's inaction so far in the transfer window um we'd be remiss if we didn't just <laughs> mention Messi. Uh, and all that craziness that went on. Uh, look with the Community Shield, I guess. Um, and then look forward to opening this Saturday against Leeds United. And then, um, well, yeah, I think we'll do it still. Points and position for the season. That's what we're calling it. So we'll give you the total number of points. It's way too early. Um, and a prediction in where Liverpool finished this season. So we've got a, we're covering a lot, so let's just dive right in. Uh, so we haven't really talked about Simicus. And Bobak, am I saying that right? You, you did put out a grammar thing, and I, I thought the T, if it's a T-S in Greek, it's, it's just a, a kind of a hard S sound. Uh, from what I read, it's still kind of pronounced a little bit, just like, like when you when you talk about the word futsal, okay. you still you still say still have the the t and the s in there. It's got a little bit of a sound. In regards to where the emphasis in the last name uh, comes in, I would say it's either Simikas uh, or Simikas. I think you are probably closer to what it actually is. I have not heard him actually say his own name, so we'll, <laughs> we, we'll go, with, we'll I think go with your pronunciation. I think I'm going with what I heard James Pierce say on the uh, on the Blood Red podcast. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can't say that I know much about him except for the fact that he's young, he's Greek, he has the COVID, so he's out of the, out of the team for a few weeks, uh, maybe a little longer. He plays left back and apparently um, has been on Liverpool's radar uh, since he was loaned to a German club, I, I, the name escapes me of the German club, um, and we also had a player there, and uh, and so we were there just kind of following up on our scouts were following up on our player and saw him and said, hey, we really need to get him on the radar. So apparently he tore up a few English teams in the Europa League uh, for for Olympiacos last season. So you know this was a position that I think we all said we need to get a strengthening spot in this season. Now, if he hadn't got the COVID, how would you be feeling about this signing? And I'll come to you first, Bobak. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> because he's because he's he's got the Rona currently, I haven't really had a chance to see much of him. Um, I obviously didn't know much about him before we signed him, but uh, you know, from all accounts, in regards to just the kind of some some slight highlights I've seen of him during uh, the the preseason games he did play in. Um, he, he looks like the type of backup we need for Robertson, someone that, um, that continues to bomb up and down, uh, the line, um, you know, very, very similar to an extent to how Albie Moreno was in regards to, you know, we kind of, kind of let off the leash and let him go. 
on that left side. Uh, you know, we don't really need someone that's going to uh, be a more defensive-minded um, left-back cover um, when we do have Robertson out, um, just based off of how he plays. But he does have the the speed to be able to recover, and it looks like he kind of uh, plays very similarly to him on the defensive end and in regards to his recovery tackles, his recovery pace, his positioning. Um, and then in regards to, uh, you know, being uh, uh, offensively like Robertson, uh, you know, the, the few crosses that he has put in do seem to be, uh, you know, on par. Um, it, it, it's just, it, honestly, it's just nice to have someone with a left foot out on that side. Yes. Yes, it, <laughs> it, it just always, it always looks better when you have a, a left-sided, uh, left-footed, left-sided player pumping and crosses. Yeah, I mean, when James Milner have to, James Milner's two-footed, but when he, you see him have to cut back to put it on his right foot to make a, a good pass, I mean, you lose something there, as opposed to like when Robbo and now Simicus, um is is just beaming down the left-hand side and just put it in first time on their left foot. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you're good. You, it it makes it just the, the slight intricacies, you know, uh, Milner uh, is. You know he's not he's not weak on his left foot. He's he's pretty decent serving the ball into his left foot. But his first instincts to always try and cut it back to his right foot to play the better ball. Um, even little things like dribbling. When you're dribbling, if you're a right footed player, you're generally going to try and dribble with your strong foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're 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 essentially dribbling the ball with your inside foot, making it easier to tackle. Um, there's little things like that that can make all the difference. Uh, it looks like it just, you know, slightly slower whenever it goes out to Milner um, because of that particular reason. So having a left-sided player out there is is amazing. Brian, how are you feeling about Simicus? Um, that's a pretty good recap so far. I mean, I, I, I did watch uh, all the preseason matches. I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And um, I noticed a couple of times his... You know, his he seemed to be out of position a little bit in recovery. I know Bobak mentioned his pace and his defensive recovery looks pretty good. I thought he got caught out a couple of times, but that, that probably could be chalked up to just being in a new team, new system. You know, I, I think they're going to work on that in training and it's not going to be a big issue. So, um, you know, we're not going to have him hopefully starting, you know, at left back and against everybody in the top half and away in Europe and those type of things. He's, you know, if Robbo's healthy, obviously he gets the nod, but um, he's going to help Robbo have a better season because he's going to be able to play a couple of these you know, midweek matches or these other cup matches or, uh, you know, Rabo needs a rest or gets a knock or something like that. We've got a player out there now who can, you know, do good things for us. So it, a, a couple times, I think the first touch let him down. I think it was against the, uh, I think it was the Stuttgart match. Um, but, you know, what was he playing, like 45 minutes in, in those yeah. preseason games? So, you know, you, from the very first half of the very first preseason game, you know, Klopp put the very best, 11 we could have out there basically the starters except for Trent who was still back in England you know and Nico started so you, you can see that they're trying to prepare fast now the season's here you know we're back potting again so um I Bobak's absolutely right it's good to have a left-footed player out there and I think one place if you're really looking kind of for what that looks like to me it, you notice it when you know balls played out wide to Milner and or to whoever's out there playing left back and, you know, a square ball or, or a ball back to to Virgil is probably the most likely thing that can that's going to happen just because of the position of the, um, the uh, position or the first touch, whatever it is. You know, 
Milner seems to do that without advancing the ball forward at all. But having a left-footed player out there that's got the speed that this guy has, I'm just going to call call him Costas. I think instead of trying to butcher his last name, so <laughs> Smiths are allowed to do that. I think by you know just by not a, not trying to strip a last name, but uh, having a left footer out there is great. I don't think he's going to be better than Moreno, and, and I didn't um, you know blast Moreno as much as some other people did. I think he was. You know, had some pretty good moments for us, even though he wasn't like a long-term solution. But yeah, it's good to have him, and um, you know, <laughs> I guess that wraps up our entire transfer window so far, anyway. But uh, <laughs> the the Greek is here, and um, I, apparently, he's never been uh, jailed in Greece, and that only happens to <laughs> other defenders on other teams in this league. Oh Lord, that's a good one, Brian. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's head on in. They're they're. Every summer, we're like, "What's the transfer saga going to be this summer?" And this summer, we're no no hands to it. It's Tiago. Um, Tiago has all sorts of reports circulating about Liverpool interested in Tiago. Klopp wants Tiago. Um, Bayern Munich uh, are not going to renew his contract, or he won't sign with Bayern. Um, Tiago, Tiago, Tiago. So much so that every that people are saying that now that it hasn't happened yet. That um, if it doesn't happen, then FSG out. Those people are coming around again. That's an instant block for me on Twitter. But then we start seeing after Ronald Koeman is hired at Barcelona that Ginny Wijnaldum is is all of a sudden linked with Barcelona. Uh, we knew that we know that that Ronnie the Red is a fan of Ginny. Um, I don't know if he actually came out and said that he was interested in bringing Ginny to. To Liverpool, or excuse me, to uh, Barcelona. However, that's uh, there's a strong Dutch tie to Barcelona. It dates back to Johan Cruyff, um, Ronnie the Red, and so there's always that kind of appeal. Gosh, I, I can think about four or five other um, Dutch players from early in my Liverpool fandom that that I recall being there. Um, not Edgar Davids was at Juventus, um, but but yeah, uh, Rude, Rude Hullet played there. If uh, I remember correctly, uh, like way back in the day, Rude Hullet. Yeah, um, Rude, so, well, yeah, they've had Dutch players there that. for a while, and Komen was a national league team or sorry, national team manager for a minute. So he, if I remember correctly, uh, I could yes, be wrong about yes. that, but yeah, so he he yeah. knows Genie quite well. So then all of a sudden we're thinking, you know, hey, look, Ginny hasn't signed a new contract at Liverpool, whether that is that he won't or will not um, is is up in the air. It's up for a discussion. Um, so I don't really see personally, I don't really see where Tiago would come in. I mean, he'd be, he'd be an upgrade in our midfield, but I don't see. Um, who he would unseat and how it would be. I, I mean, it's it's sport, but I don't see how it would be fair to a long-term serving player who hasn't done anything wrong or been poor. Hell, we just won the, the league for the first time in 30 years uh, with this midfield option. I do think that we're going to start seeing more um, Nabi Kaita this year in situations. I think we're, especially in the midfield, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, I think our midfield is going to be more situational this year. Um, however, but if Ginny does go, then I'd be perfectly happy with Tiago going, going to Liverpool. I don't want to see Tiago go to any other Premier League club, um, just from the highlights that I've seen. Um, he's, he, I, I'm going to be the first one. I don't watch the Bundesliga, so I don't know that much about Tiago. I've seen him do some amazing 
amazing uh, plays, but once again, those are YouTube videos, and there is also concern of injury um, with him as well. So that all that being said, <laughs> let me summarize this into a question. So if Ginny is out the door, is that the only way you'd bring in Tiago, or would you bring in Tiago regardless? Bobak, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, ideally, I would I would love both on the team. I I personally like you. I don't see where um, where you make all the midfielders that we have in that side happy with someone like Tiago uh, being a part of it, along with the existing midfielders that we have. So uh, you've got. Uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum, who's um, amongst uh, all our midfielders, has played the most since he's been signed. Um, you've got Jordan Henderson that, um, you know, week in, week out, wants to start every single game. You've got uh, Fabinho that is very important in regards to um, the way we play uh, being in our midfield. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, a a midfielder that you paid over 50 million pounds for um, knocking on the door. That's, that's, that's been playing well since the end of last season. I'm um, going into this. Um, you've got uh, an upcoming Academy player uh, who's making his mark so far in the midfield. You have another midfielder that uh, was, you know, the transfer record at the time that he was signed and, and Ox. Uh, so you have a lot of people that are wanting uh wanting a spot in that three-man midfield that you can't make everyone happy. Um, and I think, um, you know, at least from, from reliable journalists uh, that we generally trust, uh, Klopp is a, is a massive fan of Tiago, um, but um, someone needs to kind of, uh, kind of jump ship um, in order for him to, to fit in his plans in regards to, um, making people happy. So, I mean, if Genie were to leave, it's nice to replace him with someone um, with the same amount of winning experience around the same age, the same type of veteran experience. Um, he would essentially be with the side, the amount of the uh, contract extension that you were trying to get Genie to sign. So you're essentially not losing that spot in the midfield. Um, so I think ideally, yes, that would be, that would be great. Um, but uh, it, for me, for me, I would love to see everyone sign for Liverpool, but I, I understand, <laughs> <laughs> I understand the, the whole concept of squad harmony. So uh, for me, if it came down to uh, losing Genie or getting Tiago, uh, I would rather keep Genie. If we could, if we could get both, that would be great. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, if we have to lose Genie, if that's not a choice, then I would replace him with Tiago in a heartbeat. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but. Uh, that's 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 my feelings towards. I don't see a world where they can both be in the team. Um, and be happy. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it, but um, you know, ideally, um, I don't see that happening. Brian, what's your take on this? If you have one, <laughs> well, 
thank you for giving me the the offer there. So you know, it's it's been a strange transfer for window, um, and you know, a lot of speculation out there, and some of it's been you know worth my time, and some of it I've just kind of cast aside. This one has been interesting. I, I didn't like how everybody was going berserk and kind of demanding news and signing you know the guy was still two weeks away from playing in the champions league final i thought that was a bit silly but um you know the the transfer window extends into the the premier league season i think it goes to about october 5th or 6th uh forgive me on the i'm not I don't remember exactly which date it is so I, I don't think there's any chance we get tiago unless genie leaves um i think bobak did a good job of talking about kind of team harmony and and if he does come without Genie leaving, he's going to be taking minutes away from Keita. He's going to be taking minutes away from maybe Minamino against some lesser sides if we kind of 4 2 3 1 thing. Certainly taking away some minutes from Milner if we're playing like a two man midfield and then a 4 2 3 1 if we need it, or even in the 4 3 3. So I, I, I'm now leaning towards, um, you know, I, I think I would not be surprised at all if when all of them leaves, but I. I don't know if it's going to be right now. I think he might leave you know, in January. I guess he can sign on a free um, transfer and, and then leave at the end of the year officially. And I think Tiago can do the same thing. So I don't want Gene to leave. I'd rather him stay another couple of years. Uh, what I like most about him is his durability. And he very rarely misses games through injury. He can play in lots of different positions. Uh, and I don't know that much about Tiago, although the, the YouTube highlights look really good, especially the first touch. Yeah. Um, kind of spinning, spinning past defenders, but you know we don't really ask Genie to do a whole lot of that. So um, Klopp and, and the the scouting team, you know, see something in them, and and all the statistical analysis they do, and all that stuff, um, you know, obviously mean he's a, he's a target. So that's fine with me if, if they like him, I like him. But um, I, I don't think it's going to happen unless Genie goes. And I, I, at this point. I think it's possible. Genie has not signed this contract. I guess he uh, met with Klopp earlier today, so maybe by the time we're you know, listening, or maybe what by the time the listeners are, are listening this, hearing this rather, we'll have some more info. But um, yeah, I'd want Genie to stay just because he rarely misses matches, and and I guess Tiago is uh, an injury prone kind of guy, even though they are the same, uh, very similar ages. Um, he's just more durable, and he can play more positions for us. So I hope he stays. All right. So Klopp has said at the beginning of the summer transfer window that, hey, look, it's open for a long time, and he doesn't really see us making any moves until it's late in the window, if at all. So it's been very quiet for Mel, Paul, and James, um, probably all taking a bit of a, of a vacation or a holiday, uh, wherever you do it in there as well. I know James um, had said that he was on vacation and just came back, I think right before the Charity Shield. Maybe it was right after. Um, and and meanwhile, you know, speaking of transfer window, Chelsea are buying almost every attacking player that's available. And it looks to me like they're going to be playing a two one seven formation this year. So are you concerned about the lack of business so far this summer, Bobak? Um, once again, like I said, ideally, I would love Liverpool to sign everyone, but um, you're talking about you're talking about trying to improve on up until you know a couple weeks ago, the champions of everything. Um, and that's very difficult to do. Um, I know there's always there's always someone you could think about um, uh, adding more depth or improving on certain certain areas of the the bench or squad overall. 
but it's 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 damn near impossible to improve on that starting eleven. Um, so, you know, when you get to the point that we're at in regards to the strength of our team, um, this is this is what we've always been hoping for, and this is when when, when we looked at United and the and their uh, their pomp they would have transfer windows where they would sign one or two players tops and they would be someone just to kind of supplement their squad and kind of, uh, freshen things up a little bit or, or say for instance, um, someone's unhappy with the amount of playing time they have. So they decide to leave. So you're essentially replacing them. Um, I'm not concerned with our lack of business. Um, I do think there are areas that we can strengthen, but I don't think that it's, it's such an urgent need. What would concern me is if Liverpool are deviating from their long-term planning and their succession planning. And it looks like COVID in general has had an impact on that. And so that's, what's kind of concerning when you're talking about the, you know, the, the, the rather public chase of Timo Werner. um, It, it does seem like that was, that was something that they, they really, really, really wanted to pull a trigger on, but because of, covid weren't able to so that right there is is kind of something that that worries me a little bit in regards to um their long-term planning because they 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 plan summers and summers in advance of the kind of moves that they're making um so i i hope especially um when you consider that our ownership has uh two major sports clubs and franchises that are are being impacted by this pandemic it could essentially impact us a lot more than it would um, other massive clubs and sides like that. Um, that's that's really the only thing that concerns me. But at the same time, um, I, I do trust the people that are um, involved in making those types of decisions, the financial decisions in regards to, OK, well, do we need do we need someone? Uh, that fits this uh, age profile that's going to come in and um, back up our front three or, or someone that's going to come in and, um, and uh, be our fourth or third choice or challenge for, uh, uh, you know, starting center back position. Um, Do we need another central midfielder? Um, If those are, if those are questions that we thought we were going to address this window, but then can't because of this pandemic situation, um, that, that would be what, what worries me a little bit, but in regards to lack of business and the team that we have, I, I still, you know, I still back this team to beat anyone, um, on any given day. So I'm not, I'm not substantially worried now. You know, it's interesting you brought up Timo Werner, um, in regards to Klaus been playing a lot of the four, two, three, one this year. And that's kind of what we were expecting him to do either that or, or uh, move Bobby back to a top of a, like maybe play a a, a four two um, one three, uh, something along those lines. But he's it, um, but he's playing Bobby in that one position uh, when he's on the field, and it's almost like Timo Werner. He he had decided that this he was going to make that change this year, regardless of team. But he also had Timo Werner in mind for that. So it's been kind of interesting. Taki's been playing in the center of that three midfield, too, and he's been doing really well uh, this preseason. I think I think people forget that that it's not just this summer window, but it's also the fact that we had we brought in Taki Minamino, and he's and it took him a while to get settled, and he's coming on. 
Nabby Kite is coming on this year too. Um, I don't think we're going to see that four-two-three-one in every every game this season. I think we'll go back to that four the four-three-three a lot um, because of the fact of our midfield um, of our midfield strengths, and it'll be more of a situational kind of attitude. But I think Klopp wanted to throw that kind of as an option in there. Um, that being said, Brian, how do you feel? You don't like stupid questions. Um, so you told me you didn't like the question before um, in the outline. So let me rephrase that. If the transfer window closed tomorrow, um, would you be content without Liverpool purchasing anybody further? And you can take into and you can say I have to because it's the club I support, or because you know COVID has made it that way, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll throw it over to you now. Let me know how you feel. Well, I, I think COVID has less to do with the real reasons why we've acted the way we've acted than than maybe um, most people are. are assigning to it so uh, th- there was a great uh, really long terrific thread on on um, twitter the last couple of days from uh, swiss ramble swiss as in the you know the the nationality swiss so look up swiss ramble if you haven't read that um just about every podcast liverpool podcast out there's been talking about it so and klopp said today as well that you know we can't reinvent the club like overnight you know we can't just suddenly decide we're going to be chelsea and it's interesting that you brought them up as an example because Klopp, Klopp you cited them as an example as well. We can't just become Chelsea you know, overnight kind of thing and just start um, you know, buying stuff left and right. And, and this ownership group does not take out loans to pay for you know, massive transfers. You know, we basically funded most of our biggest transfers, Allison's and, and uh, Virgil and those from selling players for a very high profit, not just Coutinho, but several others as well. Didn't That's Klopp how we've operated say, for the last several years. Go ahead. Didn't Klopp say the Bank of Roman, or was that somebody else putting that editorial in? Um, I I don't know if he said that. If he did, I have no problem with that because it's it's real. He he did say that. Um, well, I believe he did, and, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if I've got other people's comments attributed to him that maybe they weren't. But you know, we're not owned by you know princes and kings and. And, you know, oil oligarchs and, you know, all this, this like that, like Abramovich, we, we can't, we haven't behaved that way in the past. We're not going to start doing it now. And this, this piece that Swiss rambled in on Twitter is fantastic. I encourage everybody to, to look it up. It's interesting. It, it's not the most exciting thing or, um, it, you know, it, parts of it kind of suck where, it, you know, it's taking a look at, you know, we still have lower revenues, you know, from sponsorships and things like that than some other top clubs, United being one of them in some areas. But it it takes a look at, uh, you know, why we're spending our money the way we do. And our wage bill has gone up tremendously because we're taking care of our players and, you know, and and bigger bonuses and higher wages and things like that. And we're not just throwing money at, you know, players that we hope are going to be good, like, you know, Everton's been doing for the last couple of years. We've been smart for for the last... You know, several years since FSG and Klopp and those guys came around, we've been brilliant in the transfer market. Not all been perfect, but we've been pretty damn good. Um, probably the best I've ever seen. And, and so, the, the, but the other side of that coin, to, for me, Joe, is 
I don't know if you guys have really looked at it, but look at the fixture schedule and include the cup matches and the European matches. And I mean, it's a, it's a mess. The clubs are mess meaning there's just games everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's like two, two games a week nonstop. And we already know like the, the Carabao cup is going to be, I think against, um, Oh heck! I heard the, you know, the draws already. That, that that matches in a couple Wednesdays from now. Lincoln's not Lincoln City, Bradford City. Winner of you know somebody against somebody kind of thing, right? Lincoln's one of the so, sides that it could be. Yeah, Lincoln's so I, I did remember that correctly then. So th- this the fixture congestion is unbelievable. I, I looked it up before we started recording tonight, and um, you know by the time people listen to this maybe you know september 10th 11th 12th that kind of thing last year september 12th or 13th was our fifth match fifth match day we're we're four and a half match days behind or almost five match days behind and the carabao cup still going to be there and champions league still going to be there it's going to be a very very hectic season so i want the our club to be as deep as possible and I'm worried about center back, as I've said before. And, and you know, Bobak likes to call me down like a good friend does, and and remind me that uh, you know Fabinho can go back there in, in a emergency, and you know, and he's right. Um, but we're we're we've got to stay healthy, and I think we're very very deep in the midfield. I'm not too worried about that. Um, I want to stay healthy up front, obviously, and then our, our back five, basically, once you include Allison, is, is important. So. I wish we'd have signed a, a center back, maybe someone of Lovren's um, capability to, to kind of fill in, you know, because Matip is injury prone. And, and you know, after that, you kind of get emergencies and, and young kids. So, um, yeah, we didn't sign a bunch of people. That's just the way it goes. And all the reasons are out there. I, I can't stress that Swiss Ramble stuff. It was really, really well done. Um, so, yeah, check that out. And the window's still open, but I don't think anything's going to happen. Bobek, Brian brought up the youngsters, which reminded me the last time we were on, you didn't get to play. Um, keep uh, Lone Cell um, with us. So, I, I, Bobek, let's just come to you. Rion Brewster, Curtis Jones, Nico Williams, uh, let's just take him off. And uh, Harvey Elliott, uh, keep Lone Cell for those three. For those, for those three? Yeah. <laughs> keep all of them. All right. All right. You keep them in the side. So you're not going to loan them out this season. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Cool. And it's not like uh Mary murder kill where you have to choose one for each of the three. <laughs> Just put that right. out there. <laughs> all right. Okay. Right. So that's, wait, that's, that's, that's a keep situation. For kill, all of isn't, them that just, isn't that just Mary kill and kill Mary murder and kill. What are you oh, playing? No, what is it? it's no, it's it's Mary, Mary, fucking, and yes, uh, yeah, and kill, yeah, Mary Joe's kill, doing sorry. like a double kill over there. I don't. <laughs> hey, you're not very good at the, you're not very good at get, that game, Joe. No, I'm not. I, <laughs> it's been a long summer uh, from work, so I'm pretty fried. Um, <laughs> my brain's a mess. Speaking of messes, um, <laughs> we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss just a little bit with Messi. Uh, if you're a football fan at all, you kind of all know what's going on. And it looks like Messi's going to stay at Barcelona. Um, it really kind of bums me out because um, I had a lot of bullet points. I was going to do a lot of talking. I had a lot of digs at Barcelona and Manchester City. Um, so I'm going to just get the Manchester City in. Uh, the only team that, that could have afforded Messi uh, was Manchester City because of his $700 million, uh, release clause. 
Um, and the only way that City can do it is because we found out that FFP doesn't apply to Manchester City. Um, so there, got that in. Uh, Messi's staying. I did have, we were going to talk about this when I originally wrote it, uh, to see how, if he did join Manchester City, how that affect our club uh, and our season. But it's a moot point as it stands. All right. Uh, moving on to Community Shield, I didn't really get a chance to to watch the match much or even really catch the highlights. Brian's like, come on, Joe, it's been three weeks and you haven't watched it yet. Uh, I just I don't like going back and watching defeats, so I'm just going to leave it up to you guys to do my job for me. So, Brian, you're at Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple for this match with fellow Indy Reds. Will you share us your take on the Community Shield? Well, the... The trophy looks great to put some food on, I think, at Union the, the Jack, match, maybe a pizza or something match, like that. But. The the match, the Community Shield match. Yes. So, you know, it's one of those that you, if, if you win it, you you think, great. If you lose it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of a strange little glorified friendly anyway. So, um, you know, Arsenal played better than I thought they would. I thought we'd win the game. Um, obviously, you know, we went to penalties and we didn't, but uh, – you know, we had plenty of chances or a couple of chances early. Milner had a header and, you know, Monty had a, a couple of chances or two. I didn't think Salah was very good, which was a little concerning. Um, Arsenal had like a weird kind of back five going and, and they really transitioned forward quickly and, and um, you know, defended well and, and kind of played out of the back some. It was, I think Arsenal's game plan was good. Um, their Their goal, you know, Nico Williams got caught narrow a couple of times, really narrow, like noticeably narrow. And, and we we're sitting there watching. And at one point I said to Kenny, I'm like, you know, Nico's narrow again, two passes and it's going out to the wing where he should be. And uh, either I got lucky or it was, you know, just kind of obvious, but maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> but, um, you know, on their goal, go back and watch that. Robertson didn't play the, the ball down the line very well. Um, and that left our entire back line kind of in a bad shape. And, and Virgil and Gomez had to come over, and that naturally brought Nico over a little bit and kind of forced him to be a little bit narrow. So uh, he wasn't great, but, uh, you know, neither were a few other players. And really the last thing about that match, I think, is the penalty shootout. Allison did not look good in the penalty shootout. He's never been really good at saving penalties. Like, you know, we had some other guys that could save him. Pepe Randy used to save him with his eyes closed. And <laughs> and uh, even Mignolet, you know, saved a couple yeah, of big ones. I don't – we don't give up a whole lot of penalties, so I, I, I don't, I can't remember Allison saving one, but um, he hasn't. He didn't guess, yeah, he didn't guess correctly on any of them, which was kind of annoying. Um, and ours were pretty good. Obviously, Brewster missed his, and I was a little disappointed in some of the fan base, not at UJ's per se, but afterwards, just kind of ripping Klopp for putting him in that situation to even take a penalty because he just got onto the pitch and all this other kind of nonsense. I mean, Brewster's in hindsight, this is going to sound a little bit silly and I'll, I'll take my lumps for that, but it, it, his penalty is five inches from being the best one of the day. You know, yeah, you hit the bar and it goes over the top, but if it's a few inches lower, it's absolutely unstoppable by any goalkeeper that's ever been born. So, you know, yeah, it seems kind of stupid to say that because he did miss it, but he—he's the guy's the kid's got guts. He's got balls. He ripped it and then just put it in off the bar. So, you know, those things happen. I'd, I'd much rather that happen in the, in, you know, the Community Shield than in some other match that is of more importance, like a 
you know, Carabao Cup or FA Cup or, you know, something like that. Even a Champions League match where we're already through or, you know, whatever it is. And you get to, you know, 15-minute cameo or something like that. But we didn't play very great. Arsenal was, was fine. And, uh, you know, went to penalties and those things happen. Bobek, what's your take on the Community Shield match? Uh, uh, I, I was the first half, I, uh, I guess to kind of, kind of watch off and on. I was, I was still at work. So I, I, I didn't get as, as detailed a look as I did the second half, but, um, you know, from, from, from my perspective, it, it, it kind of went the way that, that all of the preseason matches, um, so far have gone to where we've, we've started off slow and, and, and our first half has has been relatively uh, relatively hard to watch, at least for the first half of the first half, and then we start to grow into the game, and then by the second half, it just looks like we're going to dominate. Uh, I had, I had a, a good friend of mine came and joined us at UJ, who's an Arsenal fan, and and uh, you know that entire second half, he was supremely confident that uh, that Liverpool would a equalize and b end up winning the game, even going into the you know, last five, six minutes of the game. Um, he just said, he, I mean, you guys just look like you're going to get one. Um, you know, Brian mentioned we, we definitely did have quite a few clear cut chances. I don't quite remember the Milner header, but I remember at least two Mane breakaways where he's one-on-one with the keeper. Uh, yeah. There was also another one where uh, kind of later in the match where, where a, a, a cross was kind of looped up into the box and he chested it down. And normally you would see him kind of one touch volley it. And if he gets, if he volleys that shot, it's, it's any, anywhere on goal it's in. Uh, but he, he ended up taking an extra touch and that extra touch ended up being a little bit sloppy and, and the keeper was able to come out and, and, and thwart him quite a bit. So um, those are, you know, if you, if you think of any of those opportunities going the other way, we win that match um, in regulation. I don't like to consider, uh, exhibitions that the the game is drawn in in 90 minutes and then there's no extra time and it goes straight to penalties. I don't consider those as a loss, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I guess that that may just be me, but um, you know, I I feel like it, it's the kind of kind of match that Arsenal fans would be happy um, with, even just the 90 minute result in the draw, based off of how we dominated the second half, um, but. And the way the first half, it's it's kind of gone, uh, worryingly, how all the other preseason matches have gone. Um, in regards to their goal, uh, you know, Brian mentions Nico being pretty narrow uh, in the majority of that match. I think it was almost on purpose, based off of you know the uh, <laughs> the potential speed he's matched up against. Uh, you know, you don't want to uh, you don't want to be too far out on on him. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of ended up biting him because he gave him way too much space. Um, when he received the ball, he didn't get, uh, as much cover as you would, uh, like from, uh, you know, the supporting center midfielder. And, uh, you know, you're talking about one of the more deadly strikers in Europe, if not the world, um, against the 19 year old, um, you know, even the most, even some of the most veteran fullbacks would get. Uh, done the way he did on that that particular goal. He just gave him a little bit extra space, and Obama Yang knows what to do with that. So yeah. uh, you can't really can't really fault a whole lot of people. You'd be really being really picky 
um, on him in that in that particular scenario. Other than that, you know, Arsenal had maybe had one or two uh, one or two opportunities in the first half that they could have uh, scored, but um, they hardly had the ball in the second half. So, um, you know, I take I take from that Community Shield performance um, a Liverpool that grew into the game um, and ended up by the end of it um, kind of unlucky not to uh, to come away with with uh, you know the win. Bobek, staying with you, uh, Leeds on Saturday. Um, Marco Bielsa brings that Leeds side down um, not very far from uh, to Anfield Road. Uh, what are you thinking you're going to see in this match? Uh, Leeds is Leeds is uh, is is going to be a really exciting exciting side to watch in the the Premier League uh, this season. They've they've been a team that if you've at least watched a little bit of the Championship, um, you've been kind of hoping to see um they 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 remind me a lot of um how wolves was whenever they came into the premier league you know a, a team that that deservedly or a club that deservedly should be in the premier league but uh has just not been able to get back in some time um they've got the firepower um they've got the fan base they've got the manager but they just couldn't get over the over the hill they finally have uh, they've got a really good side, um, and they've done some really good business so far in the in the transfer window. So um, they are. I, I, I'm very happy that we're playing them first match of the season yes. instead of uh, you know two three months into it where they have uh, the ability to grow into the games and build the confidence that they uh, that they need to 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 beat a a, a top side like Liverpool. Um, uh, you know they they they've made some, some good signings up top. They, they weren't, they weren't shy on firepower to begin with. Um, but, uh, the signing of Rodrigo from Valencia, who's, uh, you know, the, uh, off and on the, the top, uh, striker for the Spanish national team, usually between him and Marata, um, in regards to who starts there. Um, you know, they've, they've shored up the, a couple midfield signings. Um, they've, they've apparently, and, and, and this doesn't, massively surprised me um, but it surprises me that no other premier league side has really looked into it but they've they've uh they've looked into signing julian draxler who has a year left on his contract at psg yeah who doesn't really play a whole lot i think he he would be a, a really good player for them um and i think the man the, having having bielsa as their manager they have that um ability to attract players that 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 may be wanting to play uh premier league football uh, but but you know I've kind of been drawn away from the 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 top five or six sides, um, but some of these other mid table or lower Premier League sides are willing to pull the trigger and pay those huge wages for someone like him. Um, he could potentially um, be someone that that does some damage on that that team as well if they they manage to uh, to sign him. Obviously, that would be after we play him, but yeah. um, <laughs> I, I I think. They they uh they're gonna be very uh tactically astute. Um uh Bielsa is a, a professor of the game. Um you know he's uh <laughs> if you if you followed a lot of the drama in the in the championship the last couple of years, uh uh and hear uh about Spygate um and, and how he essentially uh <laughs> videotaped and or 
sent people to watch uh, trainings of all the other teams. <laughs> Most famously, uh, Frank Lampard's Derby County caused a big, big uh, uh, scandal on that end. It's actually technically not illegal, um, just kind of ethically frowned upon. Frowned upon. Um, he, he, yeah, he, he just kind of <laughs> loves loves to loves to talk about the game. Um, and is very serious about it. He's going to be, he's going to be a funny character to keep your eye on. Um, I would say he's very Belichick esque. If you're translating from the NFL to, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, football, um, he's got a little bit better personality. He's a little bit more cheery than, than Belichick, <laughs> but, um, uh, in regards to how he approaches, approaches the game, that's what you're going to look for. So you're going to see us that you're going to be a side that's going to be ready for us. They will be ready for us. They've known they're playing us this first match of the season um, for weeks now. And he's had plenty of time to prepare. So it's not going to be an easy, easy task. I think I see this one being a uh, one or two goal victory for Liverpool, but it's not going to be something that's going to be comfortable by any means. Brian Bobek did a great job of summarizing uh, basically my thoughts on, on this match. What about you? I think we'll win the game. I think we might hammer them. And I think maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but um, Bobak's right. It's good to play them early. And so, you know, Klopp will have the guys ready. Hey, look, Lisa's, they've not been here for a long time. You know, they're finally back. I kind of feel bad for their supporters. I I know there's a a rivalry between the two cities, Um, you know, just kind of being in Northern England and kind of Northwestern England or central England, so to speak. But, um, yeah, their supporters. I mean, they're back and they can't go watch them play. So, but they have a, at least have a really tough opening fixture list. I mean, they play us, and right after that, they have a kind of an immediate six pointer, so to speak, against Fulham. If you want to look at the, you know, the clubs that might end up towards the bottom, then they play Sheffield, who you know at times last year were really really tough to beat. Then they play City. Then they play Wolves, and there's a game against Leicester in there that's a date to be determined. Um, and the Leicester match might come after that. I'm not exactly sure, but that's really tough opening. And if they can get a draw or two in there, you know, maybe beat Fulham, you know, and then they go on a run of games where, you know, they're a lot easier for them to get some results. They could be, I don't say okay, but, you know, certainly not in the bottom couple by the time you get to, you know, the end of November or so. So interesting, good fan base and, and you know, it's fine to have them back. A very good friend of mine um, who is actually a sports writer and uh, the big lead supporter. He became a lead supporter when I picked, you know, not too long after I picked Liverpool back when we were you know, 25 years ago when we knew each other in high school. And he's in our writing. I went and saw him a couple weeks ago. He's all fired up. He's got a shirt. He's ready to go. I think he might be UJ on Saturday. So we'll have to give him plenty of shit. And because if you know they somehow take the lead, he'll be giving us shit. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, everyone has freedom to just knock them out if you'd like, but, uh, yep, I'm ready to play them. I think we're going to beat them. I'm going to call it three. No, I think that this game can go one of two ways. I think, <laughs> you know, it, I know this is kind of sounds like a cop out, but I think Liverpool win. I'll put that hands down, but Liverpool started slowly all preseason and granted they, they've kind of been doing that the past few preseasons as well. Um, but in their matches, then they grow into that match. I think if we get caught sleeping, um, it could be one of those that where Leeds scores early 
and uh, then just defends, and then we're looking at you know uh, like Bobak said a one a one two goal, or we just hunker down and we figure them out pretty quickly, and we get settled quickly, and then it's like Brian three four goal lead, um, a lot like Norwich last year. <clears throat> so I that's that's kind of where I stand. I don't really know what to expect from this um it can go a couple different ways i'm not gonna i never bet the team so i think you know maybe i'm going a little too far and say liverpool are gonna win uh jim's would jim would have about five jokes about me being a, a jinx right now but um he's not on the pod uh <laughs> okay so moving on brian put out a a question to the lfc indie facebook group and brian why don't you go ahead and take it away and tell us uh about the about that post uh, well officially stole the idea from another podcast that we listen to so every once in a while it's over uh our friends neil and all those guys over in, in liverpool did this so um what it is is just how many points do you think liverpool are going to get this year what place will they finish so i just kind of put it out there for everyone just to kind of reply back with how many points they think they're going to get and, and what place will finish and yeah the transfer window isn't closed yet and yeah we don't know about injuries and things like that we don't know how much joe's going to jinx at all but um i'm kind of hold the group to this i kind of made a list of of everyone and how many points they um guessing i don't know what you guys are going to pick so you're just going to have to jump in and stop me and and you know claim your your spot so to speak and i've decided i did announce this i'm just going to say it now whoever gets this closest um, I'll buy them a um, a Liver Bird sticker for their you know car windshield or back window or laptop or something like that. Whoever gets this right. So, um, and there's a couple people that have the same numbers here. And if that's the case, we'll just draw one out on that or something like that. So, um, I'm just gonna kind of read off the kind of points here. I mean, I, I have this chart here. I'm like all the way down here, like 80, 81, 82, 83 points. I don't think any of us are gonna pick that. Um, but stop me if you want it. So like 84 points, 85 points, 86. Hector up in Kokomo has Liverpool on 87 points in finishing first. So that's our first one on the chart here. Anybody want 89 or sorry, 88 points or 89 points? 90 points. I'm going 90, Brian. All right. So am I. So I'm going 90 and picking first. Are you going 90? And you what are you picking? I'm going second. Joe is picking 90 second. I'm picking 90 in points finished first. And just re- real briefly, what I'm thinking here is that as we talked about the fixture congestion being really tough, um, that I, I just think it's going to be harder to get points this year. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near 99 points again just because I don't think the calendar is going to allow it. Um, you know, we had 99 last year. We had City had 98 the year before that, and we had 97. City had 100 before that in the season before that where they were just ran away from everybody but then the years before that 93 points won the league and 81 points won the league 87 and 86 in the four seasons before that so i have his 90 points in first place because i think that's what it'll take to win this year joe 90 points second place all yeah, right my, so my moving on to points, 91 my, my 90 points so let me justify this my 90 points. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Think, go ahead. Yeah, please. I, I think it's going to be hard for us to overcome uh, City this year. City squad depth is very, very deep. Um, and it's like you've said a few times, going to be playing a lot of games um, midweek uh, throughout the whole season. I think pretty much the whole season there's a, there's a midweek game, whether it's some cup tournament or Champions League 
or or whatever it is. Um, so a lot of a lot of uh, fixture congestion in there, um, and, and then a lot of these guys end up going on national duty, so they don't even really get a nat- a little bit of a break in there as well. Um, <clears throat> so that being said, I plus I I just have this feeling that the monkey's off our back now. And so that that maybe Klopp's going to have a lot of a lot of work to get these guys really focused again. Um, we didn't bring in anybody new, uh, really. That's that's going to challenge these guys. So I just have a feeling that we're going to probably make a few more uh, slips this year. And I think ninety points is kind of where my target's at. And I think City's going to City's going to uh, come back and and take it this year. All right, well put, Joe. Sorry I didn't let you do oh, that. No my fault, kind of stomp on you there. But my 90 points is, like, we agree on points. Me thinking that's going to mean first is a bit wishful thinking, so we'll see. But, uh, all right. So uh, we're on to 91. Go back with you at 191. Say don't do anything at all. That's fine. Michael's need has got 91 points for Liverpool in first place. 92 points. Mr. Shorter, Zach Shorter, has been on the pod many times. He's got 92 points. So first place for Liverpool, Kevin Kyle has 92 points in second. 93 points. 93 points. Jim Dimitri and Austin James both think Liverpool will finish on 93 points or finish first. 94 points. I'll take 94. Bobak is in at 94. Where are we going to finish? Like sixth? Uh, We're going to finish first on 94 points. First on ninety four points, and, and here, here's here's my here's my justification for um, still still being in the realm of where we finished the last couple of seasons. We're talking about uh, a team that over the last, I believe it's the last hundred Premier League games, we've accrued two hundred forty five points. Um, you know, so so that's even including uh, the seventeen eighteen season where we finished fourth. And we had a little bit of a slip up towards the end where we um, where we were focusing on the Champions League. Um, I think, you know, we, something that we we forget, um, even though it wasn't too long ago, is is going into the, the, the pandemic break. We had a chance for one hundred nine points um, and we're very much on pace to doing that. Um essentially what that break did in the pandemic is it broke up our rhythm. Um, it it took a lot of, it took a lot of the, the, the urgency away from, um, from the results. We weren't kind of churning them out and churning them out and churning them out. Um, and over that, that, that period of, uh, how many games did we play? Nine games. Um, I think we, I think we averaged, uh, like 1.43 or 1.5 points a game um, and still finish on 99 points. Uh, I don't think we're going to ever experience a period this season, despite the, the fixture congestion to where we're going to be averaging relegation type numbers, uh, Everton type numbers. Cause that's a, that's, that's almost a full quarter of this. That is a full quarter of the season. Yeah. That's how much that's how much we did not have to focus in that last quarter of the season that we got by with averaging that low of a points per game total and still finishing on 99 points. <laughs> that's why I think 94 points isn't a too uh, too unreasonable ask. Uh, 
for this side. I think that's kind of the bar that we've set. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's the, it's what we're going to need to finish on to win the league with, with, with the, uh, the sides that we have, uh, fighting against. We, I, I think, um, you know, city is obviously going to be, uh, uh, in and around us the whole time. Um, but you, you know, obviously Chelsea's made uh, a major splash in the transfer window. If their signings, uh, click early and, and well, then we could see teams, three or four teams on pace for that 90 point mark. And, and Liverpool does certainly well when there's someone pushing them from behind. So, um, I I'm pretty confident in, in, uh, you know, the mid nineties, uh, points and not too much of a fall off from our record setting, um, record-setting points total. I think Chelsea's going to struggle more than what they they and their fans expect them to this year because they're going to come in with that firepower and everybody's going to drop 10 men, 10 men in the box, <clears throat> nine men in the box behind the ball, and they're just going to defend their hearts out and hope to counterattack them. Um, and I think it's going to work more than it doesn't on that Chelsea team. With the, Yes, they added Thiago Silva. Yes, they have Rudiger is is pretty good, but the rest of that defense is lackluster. Yes, they still have N'Golo Conte, but you have everybody else is an attacker, and I don't know how, how Fat Frank's going to get anybody else to play defense, and it's just is ridiculous. I think they're going to be so susceptible to the counterattack that it's going to be bad, um, and they're going to get burned more often than not. I think they'll still probably finish fourth. Um, but I don't see them. I don't see them finishing above us, uh, or, or quite frankly, even closing the gap that much. Um, they're going to be fighting for that fourth place spot. They, I mean, they've they've also signed Chilwell as well. So they've made they've made two defensive signings. Um, uh, you know that I, I think you're right in regards to you that you know they might. Uh, might garner more respect from um, Premier League sides than they necessarily deserve and, and might have a lot more of the 10 men behind the ball type situation. But I think that would be doing them some favors, to be honest with you. Um, so, I, I, it, like I said, it, it really kind of depends on, on how these signings get on together. But um, if, if if not Chelsea in third, who do who do you see as the third place side? I I, I don't see United being any better uh, than that. Let me let me digress. I said I spoke too soon. I think Chelsea's in third, but I think there's a gap between second and third, whether that is Liverpool or Manchester City in second place. I think I think that can I think that can that's ultimately probably gonna be true, but I don't think that's something that they may fall off on until maybe uh February, March. And, and at that time, it, it's still going to be pushing, pushing both those sides ahead of them to that higher point mark was kind of my point. Yeah. Um, I think Wolves is going to be higher up in the table this year than, um, than last year. I think they're going to be fighting for fourth place, um, and they're going to be battling Manchester United all season for that. I'm not sold um, that Pogba and, <laughs> and Mason Greenwood and um, – Oh my gosh! And Bruno Fernandez are going to carry the team all season long. Something's going to happen. Pogba's going to get injured. Fernandez is going to is going to get pissy or something like that, and something's going to happen, and and they're going to struggle again. 
That's just my. Well, we know we know they're not going to get any less penalties. They're still going to get their thirty-six penalties per yeah, season. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, uh, and just to kind of throw this off topic a little bit, where Brian mentions penalties, I just read today, and I don't know if this is something that you guys have, have seen, but the uh, apparently the the VAR changes for this season is uh, is uh, going to be more towards back towards to what the actual IFAD protocol is. Um, in regards to they're going to be uh, having the refs go to the monitor. Um, uh, they're they're kind of relaxing a little bit on that, the offensive handball, um, and they're being a little bit more strict with the defensive handball. So, um, you know, how we, we uh, it was essentially the IFAB rule is that uh, uh, if the arm is in an unnatural position, it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. It's a handball. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Premier League continued to kind of interpret the rule as however they wanted to interpret it. It wasn't intentional, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, at least their their directive is to be more close to the IFAB protocol, which would in turn essentially, uh, you would think, uh, have more penalties involved. Uh, so <laughs> you could see United surpass their their gazillion that they've already gotten this past season just with VAR changes. Well, it's all right cuz cuz they still have they still have Harry Wilson who's going to have complete brain lapses um in that huge head of his with a very small brain and he's going to start grabbing balls out of nowhere and and all of a sudden VAR is going to get award pens. So Harry Maguire Harry McGuire. Yeah, I hope Harry I not doing that. I said that Harry. Oh my gosh! Why did I? Harry Maguire. He's still Harry in McGuire. prison, so I don't. No, he's not. He got bailed out and apologized from. Did he? The, yeah. All right, I, I got to move on here, Bobak. You're at 94 points, and you're joining Jay Kajowski and uh, Philip Soilo out in Missouri. I think I got your name wrong there, Philip. Sorry about that. So you guys all are at 94. Uh, nobody else here left to chime in, so I'll just go through the list. 95 points for Brad Henninger. Sorry, Brent Halterman, both at first place. Oscar Orta, 96 points in first place. And Jordan Green says we'll get a million points to finish first. hundred and something, he says. So 114. We're going to include him. Actually, he said 115. If he's, if he's closest, <laughs> if he's closest, then uh, you know what? I'll buy him one sticker for his car, another one for his forehead. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. there it is. That's Thank, the list. So, thanks um, for doing that, Brian. Sorry, everybody. We got a little off topic. Um, we haven't had really a lot of chances to talk about uh, about everybody else this season. So let's go ahead and start wrapping it up. Um, plug, non-plug, time. Let's start with Bobak tonight. Bobak, plugs and non-plugs. Oh, but, well, uh, it would not be a uh, Indie Reds podcast with me <laughs> on it without me plugging uh, Union Jack Pub. Um, specifically this time around, I'm going to plug their uh, Westfield location, which will be uh, doing its grand opening. And they've just changed the grand opening date to uh, Thursday, the 17th of September. So, you know, right right in line with, with the Premier League season starting. If that's if that's in your area and you've been wanting to, uh, to, uh, to check out Union Jack Pub um, but haven't really had a chance, um, certainly – uh, recommends uh, given their uh, Westfield location a a, a a drop in. It does it it just from the pictures and and the posts that they've been playing. It does look like a completely different uh, setup with still kind of the same feel to it. Um, it looks very cool. Uh, I I plan on at some point within the next couple of weeks paying a visit. Probably not on a match day, but I will uh, certainly 
uh, be be checking them out. So my plug, Union Jack Pub, Westfield. Uh, Bobak, another supporters group, is rumored to have changed their location to that place. We can talk about that off air. Uh, my well, you know, we can we can we can give them all the banter that they deserve. <laughs> no, they changed change their place again. They just keep changing it. They, they, they couldn't they, handle yeah, the heat. They've changed it quite a few times. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. All right, Brian, uh, plugs, non plugs, bud. Well, does Bobek have a non-plug, or are you just going to plug tonight, bud? My my non-plug is that said supporters club. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh man. <laughs> Zebra stripes up in Westfield. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of um, kits, I'm, my plug tonight is going to be for Nike. I, I like the new kit. Uh, I like the new away kit. The, the third kit is out there now. I like all the different hats they have and the jackets and the shirts and even at our you know local shop soccer shop here in and you know just north of Indianapolis they've got all this stuff. I think it looks great. Uh, you know I know it wasn't perfect and there was you know hard to get things on the first day, but I think overall Nike's off to a good start. Um, I especially I do like the away shirt. I did buy one. I know it's a polarizing <laughs> shirt and not everybody loves it, but I think it's pretty cool. I it, I bought nothing but red ones lately, so. I think, you know, well done to Nike. So um, a non-plug, though, I think maybe for the first time ever, I'm, I'm going to non-plug Liverpool or LFC here. The shirts that people were buying and getting these patches on their shirts, you know, whether it's the, the FIFA World Club Cup champion patch, whatever the heck you call that gold thing, they're falling off. And that's one thing because, you know, that's kind of fixable. But so many people that I've seen and read online and people that I know here in Indianapolis have ordered the Premier League champions patches, the round ones on the sleeves. And Liverpool, either because they're outsourcing this work or maybe they're doing it in-house, I don't know. They're attaching small little youth-size patches to an adult's shirt. And it just looks weird. And I know they've done it for hundreds in hundreds and hundreds of shirts. And I, that that just really is strange to me, and I'm surprised that, that Liverpool did that. So tiny little non-plug for that because I think it make the, the shirt look kind of strange. I didn't get the patches on mine um, just because I heard about them falling off, and then when there was talk of the wrong size patches being used for thousands of people, so I just avoided it. And, um, yeah, so first ever non-plug to Liverpool. I, I did it. I, I feel bad. I... I'm a terrible person. Sorry, Joe. All right. So my plug tonight is Alex. Um, my, my oldest son, he is playing um, kind of between the top team and the bottom team. We only have two teams this year on his club team. Um, and a new coach came in this year. And I want to plug that coach, Coach Keegan um, at FC Pride. He's one of the assistant youth development uh, guys, our, yeah, youth development people um for for the boys academy side and he we just spent a weekend in ohio um near cincinnati and uh and and got to talk with him a little bit more and understand a little bit more about his philosophy and what he and what he sees with my son um and and how he likes him and and things that he can improve on and stuff like that so it was really good to actually sit down and talk with him um, I don't know if many of you know, but we had actually were really unhappy last year with the coach, um, and had and had. Great. There goes another maybe. listener. He'll never listen again. <laughs> I don't think he was listening, <laughs> anyways. Um, and uh, and and we had looked at leaving the club and actually looking for a different club for Alex. 
um, and then Ben as well. But we've been really happy so far. So um, big plug to Coach Keegan um, and Coach Sean too for uh, for he's Ben's doing his first year at U eight soccer. So he's uh, they're having fun and we're we're doing good in this uh, in this COVID environment. Um, my non plug is to me because for the first time I I almost talked politics as a non plug um, on the podcast. Uh, so, but I caught myself and decided not to do that because we don't talk politics on the pod. So it's just kind of the way it is. Um, really unhappy with the way that some things are going uh, right now. Um, take of that what you will. I'm not going to tell you where I am. People that know me know where I stand. Um, but this, but but whatever. Okay. So that's it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Uh, it's good to be back. Hopefully, we'll get back to a, a regular schedule. Um, at least doing once a week again. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, our contact information is going to be in the podcast notes section. I'm your host, Joe Dilling, signing off for this episode of the Indie Reds podcast. You'll never walk alone. <laughs>